Today we're going to be in, uh, I want to start actually in Romans chapter 5. As I want to do a, a, a study, and I'm hoping and praying, Lord, let me finish early so that we can break up into little groups and pray together. So that's my, my hope for tonight. But I want to do a study on how to win over sin, uh, 10 lessons on sin. As I was just finishing up the book of Jeremiah and then getting ready to go into Lamentations, as I was studying it, I just thought, Lord, um, after seeing the devastating discipline that the Jews of Judah experienced, you know, some of them were killed. Others were captured and carried away into captivity because of their idolatry. Think about it. Sentenced to 70 years in Babylon. Uh, and I thought to myself, Lord, what can we do to, to make sure that that doesn't happen to, to us? Like, I want you guys to be blessed. I don't know what God's plans are for your life, but I will say this. The one thing that will get in the way is sin. Sin will ruin you. Sin, sometimes people drift away from the Lord. Sometimes people are defeated. Uh, sometimes people are damned because of sin. And so this is a really, uh, it's going to be a, a very simple study, a, a basic study, but to me it's a very important study that I hope we take to heart because I want you, I want myself to succeed in life and I just know the one thing that gets in the way is sin. Look what we read here in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And so, you know, Paul here in writing, you know, he says, hey, the, you know, the Bible was written. He's speaking right now primarily of the Old Testament. It, it entered in just to kind of show you what sin is. And so you know that there's like a lot of sin. And so, you know, we see that according to the scriptures when we violate them. But it's interesting that he says this, so that sin may abound. But where sin abounds, grace superabounds. So I want to make sure I preface tonight's study with that understanding that if you're a Christian, that you are already forgiven of your sins. And in a, in a positional sense, when God looks at you because of the fact that you placed your faith in Christ, that he sees no sin in your life. Think about that. You know, and so we are positionally covered with the righteousness of Christ. And even though there's sin, the Bible here says that even though it, it might even abound, um, but, but the grace then superabounds. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon has a great book. It's called Grace. And he said, can you, and he asked the question, can you drink the ocean of grace? So any of you here think you can drink the ocean? Just curious. <laughs> you can't. And so it's a beautiful thing to know that when you place your faith in Christ, you're forgiven. You are free. I want to make sure you know that. You are loved. He took care of everything on the cross. It was nailed there on Calvary, right? And so you've got to know that, that positionally we are clean. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. But look what he says in chapter 6, however, in, in verse 1. He asks a question. He says, what, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? that grace may abound? So, so if I sin and then the grace of God will cover me, you know, Paul then asks this question. So, okay, so should I just go ahead and sin and do whatever I want because, you know, I know I got the grace? And, and right here, he says in verse 2, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? 
And, and so, you know, this is kind of what I want to preface it with. You know, positionally speaking, we are saved by the blood, not by our behavior. We are saved by when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And so, you know, when the Lord even looked at the children of Israel, he observed no iniquity in them because you're covered with the righteousness of Christ. And you guys understand that, right? Capiche? You guys know that, right? All right. But, you know, does that mean that we go ahead and do whatever we want? And, and of course, this is where within the life of Christianity, it's important that we, we take this seriously. Because even though um, from a positional sense we're forgiven, from a practical sense, it's different. Like when Jesus washed the disciples, he washed them. And then he came to Peter, he washed his feet. And that he was going to wash his feet. Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And then the Lord says, you, you, then, you, know, you can't have no part of me. And then Peter says, then wash my whole body. And then Peter, the Lord says, uh, you're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. In one sense, that's a picture of as we walk through life, our feet get dirty. And we need Jesus and his grace and love to forgive us from that. Because what ends up happening is if you live a life of sin, you might go to heaven but you might just enter by the skin of your teeth. And God maybe had much greater plans for your life, but you chose to live in sin. And so there's a perfect will of God, and then there's a permissive will of God, and there might be plan A that changes to plan B, and then plan C and plan D, and the next thing you know, you're down here. Now, God is good and God is gracious. Let him take care of the details on that. But for us, when it comes to sin, and we saw what happened to the children of Israel, he didn't, you know, he didn't get rid of them. They were still his kids, but they suffered the consequences of it. And so that's why this is such an important lesson. I want to give you guys 10 uh, things, 10 lessons on sin, how to win over sin, um, because I saw what happened to the children of Israel, and I don't want it to happen to you. I've seen it happen over the years. I have seen people sitting in those pews who have died, and I know it's because they were living in sin. I've seen people living in those pews, I mean, sitting in those pews, and they've got this, got this heart, it's so beautiful, you know, and it's amazing. And the young man, you know, next thing you know, he's not going to church anymore. Next thing you know, he drifts away. Next thing you know, he's hanging out with the wrong people. Next thing you know, he gets a knife. Next thing you know, he stabs somebody in the neck. Next thing you know, he's in jail life sentence that can happen and so for us it's important it's heartbreaking when you see how these things could have been prevented you know and it's not just the jews then it's us today we see the devastation the chaos and confusion why is there war in the middle east why is there war in eastern europe why is there war among the nations? Why is there war in the neighborhood? Why is there war in our homes? Why is there war in our hearts? Why? And the answer, of course, is very simple. It comes back to this simple thing that we're talking about tonight, and that is, is sin. I mean, it, it messes everything up. It's our ruin. The problem globally, nationally, in family, and in ministries, in you and in me is sin. It robs me of my joy. It hinders my fellowship with God. It hinders my usefulness in his hands. You know, by God's grace, we know there's a lot of good things still on this side of time. But when we consider things like death and damage and devastation and divorce and depression and defeat, we know what has really wrecked this world is this word called sin. It's a small word, only three letters, but the consequences of committing unrepentant sin are immeasurable 
And we see that even in the life of David, whose sin was forgiven. But you guys, you know, when you get a chance, I want to encourage you to read his story, how it just devastated him. His family, um, three of his children died. Um, the sword never left his house. And God said, I would have done so much more had you not fallen into sin. And you can talk to people who are Christians and they've been Christians for a long time and they've maybe, you know, gone through these things and God's grace is amazing, but they would be the first to tell you, stay on track. They would tell you that because that's what sin does. You know, as a friend, as a pastor, I just think that it's that unnecessary heartache that my prayer is that this study will prevent in your life. My prayer is that this lesson will somehow lead us to this understanding of the ramifications of sin. You know, God can give us victory, but we need to see a, a few things. Now, I can say a thousand things about sin probably, so don't think this is an exhaustive study, but I just want to share 10 things tonight, and I'm hoping to finish in time so that you guys can then break up into prayer because I know things are going on in your life. I know that you're struggling. I know that the enemy's trying to, you know, hit you in different ways. I know there are challenges. I know, you know, you might come in today and this, uh, you know, just down and depressed and defeated and discouraged, and we need to pray for each other. We need to be a family. I- I'm getting ready for next year. We're starting to, you know, like uh, um, just plan it out. That, I mean, you guys know once the holidays come, that it's going to be fast, huh? As a matter of fact, before I forget, we have been given, you guys, these, uh, these, these, these gift cards from the, to the supermarket, uh, $50 gift cards. And so um, I want to just, if you're out there and maybe you're hurting, you're struggling financially, you know, we want to give those to you guys. So let us know afterwards. And we're, there's a, like a little process, a little paperwork involved. But, um, you know, I just know that, yeah, we're getting hit physically, financially, you know, emotionally, especially if you're here and you're wanting to draw close to God or maybe God's using your life. Of course, you're going to get hit by the enemy, right? And so let's see uh, what we uh, come up with tonight. Um, My prayer is that we would leave encouraged, um, even though it's a study on sin okay so number one the first thing to share with you is this it's very profound sin is sin don't laugh but i need to tell you that sin is sin now sin can you guys say that word sin it's it's kind of a weird word i don't know how you guys feel about it but it's it's not a mistake it's not a mishap it's not a slip it's not a blunder it's not a disease the reason we need to call sin sin and not use the replacement words the world has to offer is because even the world would identify sin or define sin as an immoral act considered to be a transgression against the divine law, against the divine, against God. See, when you say it's a mistake, it's, you know, that's not really you know, bringing God into it. But when you say it's sin, now, oh, okay, that's a different word. There. There are other biblical words for sin, such as transgression, iniquity, and fence. But sin must be called sin because it acknowledges our guilt before God and our need for his forgiveness. So when we sin, you know, we're sin against people. 
But ultimately, even David said, against you, God, and you only have I sinned. And so we need to know that. I remember one time I heard an interview, they were asking Joel Osteen why he never talks about sin. And you know what he said? He said, it's not my calling, you know. And so I was wondering, I'm like, man, the word itself is found 762 times in the Bible. And so apparently he um, avoids those verses. We need to talk about it because we need to have victory over it. We need to call it what it is. Sin is sin. And when David was finally confronted by Nathan, thank God that he wasn't like Saul. Thank God that he said, I have sinned. So that's, that's a big thing, believe it or not. Be careful. The world is trying to take you a different way and we see it, unfortunately, infiltrating the church. Number two, sin is something that we were born with. We were born with. Let's look at these verses real quick. Do you guys like to turn in your Bibles to different verses? You're like, no, I like to tap on my phone. (laughs) I'll race you. Psalm uh, 55 And we'll look at a a few of these, but this is really interesting. Sin is something that we were all born with. Look what David says here in Psalm 55. Actually, it's probably 50. It's a different verse. 50. One of you guys will find that for me, but we'll come back to that. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Basically, David said in sin, uh, my mother conceived me. I was conceived in iniquity. Romans chapter 5. And look what it says in verse 12. Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world. And who is that man? Adam, right? So just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread Notice to all men, because all sin. And so we call this the Adamic nature, the fallen nature. Um, We were conceived in sin. But what we find is that as a result of Adam's fall, we all have sinned. And we sin not because we sin, but but we sin because we're sinners. And so this is a really fast, this is really the main one I wanted to go to. Over in Romans chapter 7, Look what it says in verse 15. Paul here talks about the struggle that we have. And we all have it. I have it. You know, just like you guys do. Look what he says in Romans 7 verse 15. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Let's just say you get angry. You get angry with your wife. You get angry with your kids. You get angry with that guy that cut, off, cut you off you know, when you're, when you're driving, right? And you know, because the Bible says that you, know, you have to be careful with anger. And um, it says, be angry, do not sin. Let's just say you get angry and you, you, know, you, you say a, a bad word or you give them the one-way sign or something. I don't, I don't think you guys would do something like that, but let's just say you did. 
um, you know it's wrong, and you know, and you don't want to do it, but you end up doing it. You end up getting angry. And, and what he's saying right here is that you, there's a part of you that doesn't want to do it, and then there's another part of you that knows it's wrong because you agree with the law, but but you do it anyways. And so in verse 17 he says, "But it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. That 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 sin is in you." For, for I know, he says, that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, I do what I will not to do. It is no longer I who do it. Notice again, but sin that dwells in me. And so main point here being that we, 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 we were born with sin, you guys. You know, Billy Graham had sin in him. Mother Teresa had sin in her. We all have it. And we need to understand this. Look what he says in verse 21. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, the law of sin, which is in my members. And so he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So you guys know, right, there's this battle going on within us that wants to go the wrong way, that is inclined to evil. It's present within all of us. It's sin that's in us. We were born with it. We've always had it. You don't have to teach a two-year-old how to have a temper tantrum, right? You don't have to teach a, a baby, you know, that, you know, as far as lying, you know, they just do that naturally. So, so what, we're, what we're seeing right here, Paul here is saying, I, I have this sin in me, He goes on, and just real quick, I'll touch on this. Who's going to deliver me from this sin? Who who delivers us? Jesus. Jesus delivers us from the penalty of sin. But then in Romans 8, Jesus delivers us from the power of sin by baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. And that's what Romans 8 is, is all about. It's a beautiful thing. You don't walk in the flesh, but you walk in the spirit and so anyways number one sin is sin number two sin is something that we're born with number three sin is something we commit whenever we violate god's will okay so you want anyone here want to be blessed i'm discouraged you want to get blessed by god that's talking about him splitting open the heavens raining down these wonderful things on you that's him answering your prayers that's him blowing your minds well, the way that we can receive these blessings and you know be open to that is by obeying him. And we gotta be careful with sin. And so, Lord, what is sin? Right here, again, sin is something we commit whenever we violate God's will for my life. Okay, so a few things. You're like, well, what is God's will for my life? Number one, you have to listen to your conscience. Now, even before you were a Christian, you had a conscience. We're all born with the law written on our hearts. And so there is a conscience. We all have it. As a matter of fact, Paul the Apostle in Acts 24, verse 16, he said, I try to live like my, my, my life 
without violating my conscience. You guys remember Pinocchio? I think Jiminy the Cricket was his conscience, right? You know, that little voice, it just kind of tells you what's right and wrong. Okay, so that's one way you listen to that conscience. Number two, and this is probably the most important one, the canon of Scripture. The canon of Scripture. So how do you know what God's will is? The Bible. The Bible. That's why it's so important that you read your Bible. Read it from Genesis to Revelation, and you have to understand, like, you know, when you read the Old Testament, a guy I was talking to the other day, he's all, you know, it's cool what God's doing in his life. He's all tatted up, which for some reason I'm drawn to people like that. But what, this guy was all tatted up, and he's all like, yeah, I want to get right with God. He's all, I know I have these tattoos, and I know they're sins. And I'm like, dude, tattoos are not sins. Well, I'm going to get some moms mad at me right now. I know I will. <laughs> I've, I'm pr- all right, I hear you, okay? But really, when you read the Old Testament, um, there's, a, there's the civil law, there's the moral law, and there's a ceremonial law. The civil law was for Israel. That's why we can have shrimp, amen? All right, and so the civil law was for Israel. The ceremonial law, Jesus fulfilled on the cross. And so what we find is that the ceremonial law, we don't go offer sacrifices anymore. When you read the Old Testament and it says, and go offer, you know, you kill the animal and all that kind of stuff, you don't do that anymore, right? But you know it's in the Old Testament. Or like, you know, the moral law. Now, those are the Ten Commandments. Nine of them are repeated in the New Testament. In the New Testament, there are, in the New Covenant, 800 commands. There are still a lot of commands. So all I'm saying is you're reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and you're going to find out what the will of God is. And if you don't read it, you might violate the Bible. Even though you don't realize it, you do it ignorantly. And so it's still sin because you're violating the scriptures. And so that's why it's good for us to read the Bible, to know his will. We take everything in context so that we don't sin against him your word i have hidden in my heart that i might not sin against him so conscience canon of scripture and then the third one is a a pretty important one and that is the personal convictions that we that we have like since we're in the book of romans go over to romans chapter 14 And here in Romans 14, we have the law of love and we have individuals with different convictions. Notice what we read here in in verse uh, 22. He says, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith for whatever is not from faith is sin. And so they had this meat they would offer it to idols. That would be kind of weird, huh? Have you guys ever seen them like put the fruit in front of the little Buddha statues or whatever? You know, would you eat that fruit? I'm just curious. Some of you guys wouldn't. You're like, that's weird. He offered it to Buddha. Another of you guys are like, that's no big deal because that's just a dumb statue and I can get that for half off. <laughs> Seriously, that's the way it was back then. The meat offered to idols was less expensive. And so... What he's saying right here, though, is that, but if you have a conviction about it, like some of you here said, I'm not going to eat that, then basically what he's saying, then you shouldn't eat it. 
Because for you, who have that conviction, it would be sin. So this is very, very important. All of us here have personal convictions. And you have to make sure that you get with God and those things are squared away because that's His will for your life. And if you violate His will, which are you know, the conscience, canon of scripture, and personal convictions, then you're in sin. God says, hey, I don't want you to to go there. I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to say that. I don't want you to think that. And And then for us, it might be different than from somebody else. I'm a pastor. I have a higher responsibility. I have a higher accountability. You might be able to do things that I can't do. And if I end up doing it, it's sin. So for us, we have to determine, Lord, what are your convictions, personal convictions for me? And so, you know, some people, I mean, I don't want to start telling you guys what they are because then you're going to start a lot of times, you know, if I preach my personal convictions, you guys end up doing the same thing. So that's between you and the Lord, okay? So anyways, number three, sin is something we commit whenever we violate God's will. That's conscience, canon of scripture, and personal convictions. Number four, there are sins of omission and Sins of commission, right? And omission are things that I should have done that I didn't do. Sins of commission are things that I've done that I shouldn't have done. Because a lot of times people are more familiar with just the sins of commission. Well, I did that and I, you know, I cussed or, you know, you got drunk or you got high or you went and looked at that and you're thinking, well, that's sin, And it's true, but maybe God wanted you to go visit someone in jail and you didn't go. And the Holy Spirit told you to go visit them who are sick and you didn't go. God told you to go. Why didn't you go? And that's sin. There are sins sometimes of things that we should do that we don't do. I mean, one of the most common ones, and this is kind of a a tough one, but God says pray. And some people say no. Well, God is the one who told you, hey, let's talk. Oh, I'm too busy. That's sin. See, there are sins of omission. There are sins of commission. You know, have you ever said something when you shouldn't have? Have you guys ever done that? When God says, be quiet. (laughs) And what you end up doing is telling them to be quiet. (laughs) You know, James chapter 4, verse 17 is a really good passage. Just go there real quick and, and read it together. James chapter 4. In verse 17, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Number five, there are sins on the outside and sins on the inside. And I know this might sound very basic to you, but um, if you go to Matthew chapter 5, I was thinking about like when the Jews had the Passover feast. Do you guys remember that says so they're preparing for the Passover and it's such a beautiful celebration there 
a festival of their redemption and, you know, the way that God brought them out of Egypt. Do you remember what the Lord told them? I said, I want you guys to search your houses. You know, every nook and cranny, you look in every cupboard, under every plate, you look at, you know, underneath, you know, the clothes and man and everywhere, let there be no leaven in your house, no leaven allowed. And, And in one sense, well, I think we all have to do that every once in a while, like examine our lives. And Lord, is there any sin in, in my life? You know, I, things that I should be doing that I'm not doing. And, and it, it can't be things that you imagine. I don't want you guys to think it's weird or anything like that. But it has to be things that the Holy Spirit has, has put on your heart, you know, because we have this relationship with him. And, you know, sometimes there are things on the outside, there are things on the inside. Um, Jesus talked about it here in Matthew chapter 5. In verse 21, he says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. Now that makes sense, huh? Doesn't that make sense to you guys? God says, Don't murder anyone. You're like, Yeah, that makes sense. But Jesus says, Okay, that's what they told you. But I say to you, Now this is Jesus that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you you fool shall be in danger of the fire. And, And basically what the Lord is saying is that it's not just the action, it's the attitude. And maybe there's someone in your life that you hate. And God says, you are a murderer. Because it's not just your actions. It's your attitude. It's your attitude. You know, we see something similar here. If you look at verse 27, Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so when we're talking about like cleaning house and getting ready for the Passover and no leaven, whatever it might be, we're talking about, man, we, we, I didn't realize it. it this is serious stuff. You know, and, and I don't know if you're interested in that kind of life, but I know I am. Lord, I know I won't be perfect on this side of time, but I tell you what, I'm going to try. You know, if you're playing a, a basketball game, you never want to do any turnovers, right? You never want to miss any shots. I mean, you're, you know, playing football. You don't want to throw any interceptions. You don't want to do any fumbles. I mean, no errors in, in, in baseball. I mean, no, no, I'm not, I don't want to miss a single ball that comes my way if I'm up to bat. I want to hit it out the park. I mean, this is how we should live our life for the Lord. So we're trying not to sin. We will miss. We will fumble. We will, you know, do turnovers and things like that. But man, we are trying not to. Because we're looking at this and we're realizing, man, this is heavy stuff and it is so much involved and I, and I really need to find out, Lord, where, where's my attitude? Um, is it just something that, you know, I, I haven't been looking at? You know, one of the things that we see in all these things is that sin grieves God. Number six, we got to know this about sin, is that it, it grieves God. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. 
and verse 30. I kind of, if it's okay, back up a little bit. Um, Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place or opportunity to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse 29 is such an important verse. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. You know, one of the things that I love about Job is, is that he did not sin with his lips. How many people sin They just constantly with their lips. It's like they don't care. They don't care that God hears everything. They they have the audacity just to continue to run their mouth and they say things with a tone or an attitude or just about people that they shouldn't say. And right here in Ephesians, he says, no, not, not not a corrupt word should come out of your mouth. And that's when we get to verse 30. He says there in in verse 30, Ephesians 4, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, because when you sin, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, it breaks his heart. And I think, huh, we can feel it, huh? When we sin, when we blow it, when we say something we shouldn't say, it was something mean, maybe to a family member, if you still have, you know, a conviction and a conscience, it hurts you. You can feel it. And that's, this is really, now we're getting into, yeah, I, I don't want to sin because I want to, to be blessed, but I don't want to sin primarily because it hurts God. It grieves God. The word grieves right here, it means to cause pain or grief or distress. And since it breaks God's heart, it should break ours as well, right? Remember the passage in Genesis 6, 5 and 6? It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And so that's another reason. Lord, I don't want to sin because it grieves you. It breaks your heart. And so it should break mine. Number seven, sin separates people from God for he is holy. He is holy. Turn to Revelation 21. Revelation 21, in verse 6, it says, And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. 
And so maybe you were out there, that's how we got saved. There was a time when you were thirsty and you gave your life to Christ and he quenched that thirst within you, right? And what a beautiful promise that we have that when you place your faith in Christ, then we are saved and one day we'll be there in our home in heaven. But in verse 8, it says, The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is heavy. You know, when, when it comes to sin, this is the ultimate right here. It applies to the non-believer forever. Sin separates people from God. Holiness is his overriding attribute. He is holy, holy, holy. And therefore, sin separates an individual, a non-believer, from God forever and ever and ever. You know, midweek service. What's today? Today's Wednesday, right? I don't know what's on television on Wednesdays. Well, then again, you guys record everything anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? You could have stayed home. Um, you could have probably done other things. You got invites in different directions. But you came to church service. Maybe there's a couple of you here who were uh, forced to be here. You'd rather not be here. But you're here. God allowed you to be here. I'm not sure why you're here. God knows the real reason you're here. But if you're here and you're watching online and you can hear me, and you're living in sin, and you don't want to change, your sin will find you out. You can't hide it from God. And if you live in consistent, resistant, insistent sin, that sin will separate you from God forever. And not just separation. There's a lake of fire that the Bible talks about. So you got to warn that. we got to run from that. we got to hate that. And not just the non-believer, it affects the believer as well. It says right here, this applies to the believer's fellowship with God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, it says, you know, God's arm is not too short. His ear is not that he can't hear, but your sins have separated you from God so that he can't hear, he can't reach, he can't help. That's what sin does. Now, if I were to ask you guys, like, hey, you want to be separated from God? You guys would say no. So God says, okay, let's get rid of the leaven. I know you can't be perfect, but if there's any area of your life that you're not surrendering to me, God says that will hinder our fellowship. It separates us. Number eight, we we see here that sin must be acknowledged, confessed, and forsaken. Acknowledged, confessed, and forsaken. You know, I was thinking about that passage over in, um, I think it's Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 28. This is a really important verse. Proverbs 28:13. it says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. I remember before I was a Christian, I used to be Catholic and we would go to confession 
And, uh, you know, uh, I would tell the priest all my sins. Uh, Father, it's been, you know, a year since my last confession. These are my sins. And I'd be there for half an hour telling him all my sins, right? And then after we were done with confession, he'd say, okay, you go and you say 10 our fathers and whatever, act of contrition, Hail Marys, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and then I would just go and sin again. So, so it's not just, there, there has to be an acknowledgement, like this is sin, confessing those sins the greek word is homologeo saying the same thing about it that god says about it and then forsaking it like i am going to change and if you need help you know some people are addicted to to porn or drugs you can't win that battle on your own you need help if you're serious about coming out of it you should probably confess it to someone ask someone for help if you really want out. Because like we're talking about, this is serious stuff. It has to be acknowledged, confessed, and forsaken. Number nine, it says that sin that lingers in the lives of believers will bring God's discipline. So we're all going to stumble and fall, right? But if we continue in it, persistent, resistant, consistent, God's eventually going to discipline us And so if you're a Christian, get ready for that. And it says right here, the longer it lingers, the more severe the discipline will be. And so can I ask you a question? The same question that I've been asking myself. How is your attitude? How is your heart? You know, is there anything in our life that we need to give and surrender to God? Because I tell you what, this is what coming to church service and being a Christian and all these things, this is really what it's all about. You know, number 10, we see that sin can be forgiven and overcome through Christ. We could never do this on our own strength. You know, even coming to a Bible study like tonight, and I don't know if you understood what I said, if you didn't understand what I taught tonight, then you need to be born again. If you're not interested in Bible studies, you need to be born again. You need to give your life to Christ. Don't leave without giving your life to Christ. But if you can't understand what I'm talking about, you know, for us, you know, we're not like the Joel Osteen type, huh, you guys? You, you love to hear Bible studies about sin, huh? You love to, don't you? <laughs> Because you're like, yeah, man, you know, I could go and drive the wrong way on the freeway. I could, but that's probably not a good idea. I could go home and say, hey, we're all out of lemonade. I'll just drink some Clorox bleach, you know, but that's probably not a good idea, right? We could do crazy things, but it will mess us up. And so right here, we see sin can be forgiven. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Matthew 121. And you you shall bring forth the Son... You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Thank you, Lord. And so real quick, number one, he saves us from the power, the power of sin. Number two, he saves us from the penalty of sin. And then number three, he saves us from the presence of sin, that one day we'll be in heaven and there will be no more sin. And so here's the homework assignment for you guys. I had to do it already, and I have a big, long list. What are the areas of your life that maybe you need to surrender to God that are getting in the way of your fellowship with Him? I love the Psalm, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, I'm going to end with a really gross illustration. You guys will still be my friends, right? No matter what. Okay, this is horrible. This is horrible. But I just love you guys. I just trust you. The other day, you know, my, I think it was my wife or my daughter, one of them, they identified a, a hair that was growing out of my ear right here. <laughs> have you, any of you guys ever have a, one of those? All right. Is it just me? All right. <laughs> All right. So anyways, you know, that's gross. That's gross. Now, not from the ear. It was just like from right here. And so thank God they were able to see it because I couldn't see it. And they got the tweezers and they hurt me. No, I'm just joking. They, <laughs> they got the tweezers and they pulled it out, you know. And, and, and what if there's sin in your life you can't see? And, you know, your wife points it out. Your husband points it out. Your kid's pointing out. Your friend points it out. Hey, you, you know what? You need to grow. You're not there yet. You haven't, that heart, it's not right. I see it. I see it. If someone told you that, what would you do? God sees it. So right here, it's just so beautiful. You pray that prayer, Lord, I might not be able to see it. You know, it's this ear thing or whatever. I can't see it. Lord, but show me. Show me because I don't want anything to get in the way of the beautiful work that you want to do in my life.